us Central Tuesday. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Dan Richo, Satyar Shah with you for the next two hours here as uh, we get you set up. Canucks are continuing their preseason. They'll get back into game action tomorrow, and we will likely see a more NHL roster. Mm, not a full NHL roster. Maybe one or two actual NHL players. On uh, the <laughs> Coach mentioned they'll split the uh, the NHLers between these next two games, Wednesday yes. and Thursday, the back-to-back. And then games four and six are where they are preparing to put out What's closer to a opening night roster. Correct. So that's when now uh, we'll get a better idea of who's making the team and who's on the outside looking in. If we were to borrow the uh, thought process from the Monday menu, who's on the menu and who right. is not quite on the menu. But we have started to learn a bit more about how these jobs are shaking out. And today Canucks got back to practice and it was... Super telling, Sat, because look, it would have been ridiculous for Tockett to go out after losing 10 nothing against a mostly NHL Calgary team, and he mm-hmm. sent out a mostly AHL team for their first preseason game. He was never going to do that publicly, but when the Canucks started practice today and you saw how they were lining up, you saw some of the D pairings. You saw some of the forward group. It was like, okay, so coaches sent a message, just didn't do it publicly in the media. That was at least my takeaway from it because you go through these lines and they start to tell you something. Hoaglander, Mikheyev, Pedersen, Kuzmenko. Mikheyev did a half practice today, so he's getting back closer to full health. We'll talk about that. Giuseppe Miller, Besser, Bovillier, Suter, Garland, Oman, Bluger, Studnika, Hughes McWard, Cole Heronic, Susie Myers, Brisebois, Wolanin. There is two very um, glaring missing players in that forward group. It's Dakota Joshua and Vasily Podkolzin. Yeah, and unlike Vasily Podkolzin, who the coach actually said some kind things about and said, hey, he just needs more time. He works very hard. He just needs to dial a few things in. Whereas with Dakota Joshua, you could have easily said he's off the menu to the head coach as of today, based on what he had to say about Dakota Joshua. It was surprising. And uh, I want you to hear the full clip on this. As Dakota Joshua came under fire from coach Rick Tockett when he spoke to media today and was asked, uh, how come Dakota Joshua and Vasily Podkolzin were not part of the first group today? Dakota, you know, he's got to pick it up. You know, that that's quite frankly, you know, I'm not going to get into some other factors, but he has to, he's got to try to win a job. The job's not there. There's guys breathing down that want jobs. And whether it's a message or not, he's, you know, and it's, there's a lot of other factors that I'm not going to get into, but yeah, he, he's got to pick it up. He's got to pick it up. Guys are breathing down for roster spots. He's got to fight for a job. I mean, Rick Tockett, 
told us a lot about how he feels Dakota Joshua has started this training camp. Yeah, and to the point you made earlier, the coach decided not to rip into his team after the 10 nothing loss. But it's not like they didn't have any players that they were expecting something from, especially guys that are so-called established veterans or leaders. They, they had two players on the roster that I came into camp expecting to see on the opening night roster. Yeah, Pia Suter. And Dakota Joshua. Yeah. And Joshua, especially after the year he had and the impact he had, the expectation was, can he take a step? Not only is he going to make the team, does he have a chance to move up the roster? Does he have a chance to show even more, right? And given this team is lacking some size and bite and toughness, the way Dakota Joshua can bring it on the wing, you just thought for sure like he should be a fixture, at least somebody important on this team. And that may very well still come to pass. He might be an important figure on this team for the next little bit and and establish himself, and we're not having this, 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 this discussion. But in a game like that on Tuesday, and I didn't, you know... We saw everybody just be under siege, and you yes. try to like not rip into the team too much because you're like, well, they're a bunch of you know, you know, kids or whatever. They're out overmatched. It is what it is, kind of deal. But a guy like Dakota Joshua, not only was he hectic with how he played, he didn't establish any sort of physicality. And when the game was getting out of hand, not to say he had to go out there and fight anybody, but as a veteran, as a guy who was expected to be a leader on the ice that day, did he do anything? No, and that that's where like the more I thought about it, that's where I could see you would be not loving what Dakota Joshua is throwing down right now because, you know, he was on this team last year, felt like he established himself as somebody who's going to be in the lineup, somebody who's going to be relied upon in a bottom six role at the very least, going to be relied upon to do a little bit of penalty killing and do some different things. But are you going to act like a more established player on this roster and I can see how the coach is not loving it after what we saw from Dakota Joshua the other night and yeah. what we've seen through camp, quite no, frankly. Uh, yeah, we haven't seen enough from him in camp at all. And you hear him mention other things, whatever the coach alludes to when it comes to other things. Hey, he didn't get into him. And I think it's unfair to speculate and say, maybe it's this, this maybe it's that. I'll sum, him up, I'll sum it up in one word. He's unserious. Mm-hmm. Unserious. That's the word. Yep. If, you, if the coach says other factors, there's a level of unseriousness in in a way when it comes to a certain aspect of your job whatever that is uh, so i think there's that as well to play here so when you have that kind of going on and then you have a player not performing mm-hmm. in the preseason or training camp i can see the coach being yeah sure we need a guy like this but he's making 850k he's a ufa i need to s- establish a meritocracy and i'm not gonna blow any credit with these guys by just giving dakota joshua a spot on this team like he's he's not making enough money He's not a good enough player. And yeah. He's not an established enough player for the coach to have to kind of bite it and let it pass. So Dakota Joshua is going to have to pick it up. 650, 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, do you th- see Dakota Joshua's spot on this roster in jeopardy after the coach called him out a little bit today? Well, I shouldn't say a little bit. He called him out. <laughs> yeah, he called him out. <laughs> it was pretty uh, It was pretty straightforward, pretty cut and dry. It was black and white, no gray. What? He cut him out. Hey, anytime the coach says you're not guaranteed to make this team, that's like the worst thing you can say yeah. about a player to a player. It's like, hey, man, you haven't – yeah, you you made the team last year and had a good year, but if you tell a guy one game into the preseason that he, his spot isn't guaranteed, yeah, that's you essentially using the biggest stick you have at this moment to get that message across. you uh, Well, Dakota Joshua did not have a great training camp last year either. Uh, underwhelming at times. Uh, and sometimes the, the guys that have to go out there and, and like be physical and tough, like they don't want to go out and run guys in their own team and things yeah. like that. So it can be a bit of a weird spot. But 
this year, with everything that was said at the end of last year by Rick Tockett, everybody in the organization, things have to change around here. Need guys to have big summers. And however you want to look at it, whether or not Dakota Joshua had a big summer or he didn't, I'm not here to tell you whether or not he did. I just know what I've seen so far. Jack Studnika's come in here more prepared. Nils Oman has come in here and shown that he's gotten a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, maybe even a little bit faster in his stride. Those are the types of things that matter at the end of the day. It's like, hey, here's here's a couple of guys that were clearly below you on the depth chart maybe, and now maybe they're creeping up on you a little bit. And this is the maybe the push Dakota Joshua needs to change that. But if he is behind the eight ball a little bit for whatever reason, that's going to be hard to overcome in the next uh, couple of weeks. It, it will be, and especially when you heard the coach say be so glowing in his praise to Niels Oman and to Jack Studnika. One thing he mentioned last year was we don't have enough four checkers. Mm-hmm. Remember how often he said that? Like our four checking has to improve. We need more four checkers. And that's why he fell in love with uh, Phil DiGiuseppe because it was the one guy who was doing it. <laughs> Precisely. And we saw based on what this team did in the offseason, they got Bluger, who's a good four checking centerman, right? Mm-hmm. Even Pia Suter to some extent can, can do some of those things. But they needed some people, players to develop and move and and evolve internally because they didn't have enough cap space to go out and sign a bunch of established good forwards, right? So what the coach mentioned about Oman and Studnika today, they're good four checkers. Yeah. Not only is he saying they're four checkers, to him they're good four checkers. So they're able to establish and play a style that he needs and wants on this team. And yes, they don't have Dakota Joshua's goal-scoring prowess. They don't have Dakota Joshua's physicality. But if they can shift in and shift out, be reliable mm-hmm. and forecheck well and help the team win and be successful, he's going to pick those guys over Dakota Joshua 10 times out of 10. Yeah, like You don't bring enough as much as you bring other things. And especially when this team lacks those, those sort of aspects and things they need to be able to have success this upcoming season. So I honestly think, man, like right now, Niels Oman and Studnika, they have a better shot at being in the opening night lineup when the season begins. But however, having said all that, even with maybe a level of unseriousness going on here with Dakota Joshua, he's a player that has something this team lacks. Yes. And can you just dump that because of a bad training camp? And I'm not sure you can. I think you still have to have him on the team. I don't think you put him on waivers because somebody's picking him up for 850K. For 850K, right? for the size, the uh, goal the speed, a little bit of goal scoring pop. Like somebody's going to pick him up. the physicality, somebody's going to pick him and up. And this team needs more of that. So I don't think you can, you know, you can you know, assume he's going to be let go. And I think you have to play along a little bit here and you have to give him more time heading into the regular season, but come opening night, he may not be in the opening night roster. And that's something he's going to have to really push the next few preseason games to show that he's ready to compete with those guys and earn a spot over them. This is where it can be very tough for a coach because, you know, when other players on the roster see that it's, You know, if Studnika continues to have a good camp, let's say he scores a couple of goals or has a good couple of games here, you know, he was working after practice with JT Miller today. He's he's hitting all the right buttons, right? He he heard the coach's message loud and clear and is trying to do everything he possibly can to win a spot on this team. The club is invested in players like Nils Hoaglander and Vasily Podkolzin. Nils Oman did it last year and seems to be doing it again where 
Oh yeah, you don't think I'm going to be on this team? Well, maybe I'll make you think otherwise, yeah. right? Like I, I'm going to make you think twice about that. Yeah. So you know, those are things that are really pressing against Dakota Joshua because there's only going to be 13 forward spots now. Look, if Pod Colson doesn't pick it up, and if Mikheyev's truly not ready, then this probably sorts itself out, and you don't have to make any sort of decision yet. But there are real players here that are actually pushing because of. Everything they heard from the coach, they took to heart and showed up in camp ready to go. Absolutely. And when you do those things, you show investment. And you heard, you saw some of the clips the Canucks posted uh, about the pillars the head coach mentioned. And one thing he mentioned about was being dedicated, also playing for the crest, being Mm -hmm. invested, you know, and... When you do all those things and you excel, you show a level of investment, not only to yourself and your profession, but also to your teammates and and the organization. And when you are able to create that type of buy-in, it's very powerful. And when somebody doesn't show that buy-in or hasn't shown that buy-in, you kind of have to be very careful in not awarding, rewarding that type of player, you know? And again, I don't want to overstate too much to get into this when it comes to Dakota Joshua. This is just more of like a general point about when, you, when you're making roster decisions, especially yeah. when you're trying to establish something, and to the point you made these guys come in, and not only are they showing they're invested, they put all that work in, and they're excelling, or at least showing they're ready to take a step or be trusted with an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't say this, that Nick is going to figure it out, but if he p- performs this way, I think he's earned an opportunity. Yeah. And then it's up to him to make the most of that opportunity. And hopefully we'll talk about him and Oman both being big-time fixtures. But you have to earn that opportunity. And I think that's a good thing to have as a meritocracy. It's interesting, though, because on the forward end, I think it's kind of promising. Because yeah. even though put Colson struggles a bit and Hoaglander has his ups and downs, but at least he showed a little bit of something, you feel like with Phil DiGiuseppe, you, yeah. with Studnika, Oman, with Garland even, and the options that the Canucks have, you're like, okay— Hey, we, we can make it work. Like, yeah. I'm intrigued to see what happens at the very least. I uh, think on the back end, however, mm. it's not as optimistic when it comes to those roster battles. Yeah, and uh, there was some really intriguing things that came out of that today. Gordy Locke with this uh, tweet. Uh, no, Joshua's spot is not in jeopardy. They don't have a lot of big physical players. Joshua's a little high maintenance, needs to be prodded every now and again. Um, tones when Joshua and Hughes got into it at practice was that because he wasn't engaged enough. It wasn't Joshua and Hughes. It was Joshua and Garland Garland and briefly Heronic because uh, uh, Heronic uh, caught a stray stick when he uh, <laughs> when Joshua thought it was Heronic that slew footed him. Yeah. And it was. So what happened was Garland slew footed Joshua and Joshua wasn't happy about it. Yeah. So it wasn't because of like this battle drill that happened. He he felt he was aggrieved mm-hmm. by a dirty play. It was just one of those like Garland yeah. cuts under a bigger guy. Yeah, and... <laughs> exactly. And that's what he's gonna do, right? Does one of those Garland things, but maybe shouldn't be done in practice. Uh, but Joshua didn't love it, and then went after Garland not that long after. Giovanni Canuck says uh, the team added zero physicality during the off season. They are again one of the softest teams in the NHL. Uh, They need a little bit more of that sandpaper. I'm not going to disagree with you too much on that, Giovanni. All right, so on defense, mentioned the pairings, and we talked a lot about this on yesterday's show. But after what we saw in the 10-0 game, here's another one of those messages without sending messages, without saying it in the media. It's Hughes and Cole McWard as the top pair in practice today. Cole and Heronic, and then 
Carson Soucy and Tyler Myers as your third pair. A couple of extras, including uh, Guillaume Brisebois. So, after the 10-0 game, you have Noah Juleson making mistakes all over the place. You have yeah. Jet Wu making mistakes all over the place. And Cole McWard, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. Is Cole McWard all of a sudden the third on the depth chart for right shot defensemen once you get beyond Philip Peronik and Tyler Myers? I don't think it's decided yet, but it feels like we could be trending that way. Coach had a lot of glowing things to say about McWard today, and it's just – like as much as you know, we're talking about these forward battles and everything else. This is now the biggest story of training camp: is who do the Canucks really want to play with Quinn Hughes here? Yeah, and I think McWard's getting the opportunity by default to some extent. Yeah, I think the hope had been that Jet Wu can at least get a bit of a glance. The first guy to get an opportunity was Noah Juleson. It lasted one day. Then Carson Soucy got a chance, and it lasted a couple of skates. Not a great scrimmage, as we you know yep. detailed. The past few unconvincing. days, it was unconvincing. Yes, now it's only a scrimmage, like we said, and perhaps in a, in a in a different, more established game preseason environment, they may fare differently or better. So we'll see. Ultimately, if they get an opportunity together, and then you don't really have anybody. No. You know, Philip Johansson, and then more we see him, and you see some good things in his game, but you can see he needs time. Like he's yeah. not ready. You know, he's not ready for this type of level yet. Good shot, good puck moving ability. Um, good offensive instincts, defensively and angles, a bit of an issue. And again, he hasn't played enough on North American ice. So you got to give him a little bit of time and, and see how that kind of happens and, and evolves. And I think Cole McWard, he's got a, a lot of positives in his game. I don't think he's really ready for this, though. And yeah. hey, I, I'm, I'm here to be convinced. I'm here to be um, have my mind changed about him being ready if, he's, if, he's, if he shows something here in the preseason yeah. and, and maybe he deserves a shot to begin the, the year. But I think it's a bit of a stretch to assume he's going to be ready to play not only, you know, legitimate minutes or be on the NHL roster, but, you know, be partnering with Quinn Hughes on the first game of the season. Uh, Coach dropped a John Marino reference saying, well, John Marino came out of nowhere, so why not? (laughs) Cole McWard was the extent of the thought. But it was interesting because, okay, we're sitting here and, and yeah, Quinn Hughes is going to have a most common partner. And who that ends up being is still a very important part of the conversation about how the Canucks get the job done on defense, but we can't rule out the idea that it is more of a job share than we expect. And coach was asked about this in the context of the question was, we're seeing some other players get a chance with Quinn Hughes. Will we see Philip Peronik get a chance to play next to Quinn Hughes here in practice or in game action. Here's what coach had to say about that. I think Footy did a great job last year. He had 16 new defensemen, and he, it was by committee. You saw some of the different pairs. Some, I think it's the same thing a little bit. You know, we have a couple of you know, newer guys, Sushi and, and, and um, Cole, who are going to solidify. And I think, hey, maybe maybe Heronic will be on the offensive uh, faceoff with them. I think it's okay to have that kind of little bit of a committee. For sure. And I think Cole and Heronic together have been really good in the camp. So I want sushi. Um are we just gonna call him sush from now on? Maybe. Yeah. But now I all I can think about is getting sushi. Yeah. I was gonna go home and make something for dinner, but now I want sushi. Anyways, go on. We're gonna get sushi. Let's, let's talk sushi? defense. It doesn't take much for me to, to change my I think to, I just did the opposite. I think I said Sushi. We're you gonna get sushi tonight. Oh, <laughs> uh, now I'm all over the place. Okay, so Carson Sushi, uh, 
thanks coach we'll never we'll never live this one down um more of a committee yeah than we expect and it's something we've we've detailed and, and, and talked about right and especially in the third period close games you'll probably see hughes and and heronic out there together like especially the final time in the third period yeah, yeah the final 10 minutes of a game that's a one or two goal game you'll probably see those guys together quite a bit you know and they'll see games out even with all that it would be quite the step for Cole McWard to start the season as Quinn Hughes's partner. Yeah. And that's why, as much as the coach said he'd love to see a righty-lefty pair, do you even have the you know option or the luxury of doing that? Yeah. And it seems like, so far, the, the one constant has been Cole and Heronic. And I think they really want to do that. Are they going to be able to? Or did they have to maybe ch- try Cole on the right side where he can play as a lefty mm-hmm. and he's experienced in doing so? Do you have to default to that at some point because it seems like they don't want to do that yeah. but is that something you may have to consider doing but or do you just do it situationally because like then said? but the, the problem there is like Carson Soucy's not a great fit next to Philip Peronic no and that's where he's not issue, a great puck mover and that's where the issue kind of comes in again right yeah. like there there are a lot of issues here in terms of how these pairings are going to work and it, it is imperfect and it just makes me kind of wonder at that as preseason goes on as we get to the start of the season, do we see the Canucks make a minor move somewhere? Right. I just wonder about that too, because I, I just I, I just don't see a ton of options. And we were talking about Ethan Bear. Like you could just try to get through, and mm-hmm. you could probably make it work for you know a couple of months. And then when Ethan Bear is healthy, let's say in December, maybe you just sign him, and all of a sudden you have a capable guy instead yep. of you know that can come in and and play with with Quinn Hughes, and you can live with the rest of your D pairs, and everyone slots in. Maybe that's not a bad option, but that's still a few months away. Can you afford to wait that long to try to address it? Do you have to address it in a different different way? And it seems like a, I wouldn't say a big issue, and I'm and I wouldn't go as far as say it's an Achilles heel heading into the season, but it is certainly the biggest area of concern for this team is figuring out how these D pairings are going to work. Even situationally, you still have to be able to have six guys yeah. that can work together. Yeah, and you know I don't expect them to go with you know Hughes and Heronic as their most common. A deep pair they they want to spread that talent out so when you do that that calls into question what else you're doing I, I would expect you know Quinn's going to get some time with Tyler Myers he's probably going to play a little bit with Carson Soucy yeah uh, and they are going to try and piece it together as much as they can for this early part of the season we know how difficult it is to find right shot defensemen there's like Ethan Bear. The next best option that's a free agent right now would be Mark Pissick. Yeah, and uh, it's rough, man. Yeah. So and hey, you know we're deep into training camp. So what else would you expect? Maybe you're hoping a defenseman shakes loose on waivers, but then you got to make another roster decision somewhere. So it really becomes difficult to see how they're going to solve this with some kind of roster transaction, other than. We're going to try and piece this together and see how it goes for the first little bit of the season. Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's probably what you have to do. And it's probably not a bad thing to do. And I'm not sure if the organization has the same level of concern that I do about that position at the moment. Right. And, and maybe they look at it and say, hey, we can get through it. We can try these guys. But I would have to imagine that the battle for that right side D man job, whether it's there's going to be a third righty D on the roster, right? Yeah. Whether it's Noah Juleson, Jet Wu, Cole McWard, it's going to be one of those guys. They're going to have a third guy, as a, even if he's number eight on the depth chart. I just think that it's been a very underwhelming battle mm-hmm. for that third righty defenseman to make this roster. Maybe even more underwhelming than anybody would have thought. It uh, might just end up being Noah Juleson by default. 
yeah. not uh, with the way that he's played so far. Uh, we'll see him get a couple of more chances, of course, through the course of the preseason. Maybe even gets a game next to Quinn Hughes at some point. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. A couple of uh, texts coming in. <laughs> a fresh sushi roll would be uh, nice yeah. right now. A fresh? You're also uh, mixing up words just I like am. Carson Sushi. <laughs> you and Rick Tockett. What's your go-to sushi roll? Oh, Do you have one? Yeah, salmon avocado roll. Salmon avocado roll. Yeah. You're a simple man. Yeah, salmon avocado is just mm. beautiful. I, I love getting the salmon avocado, and I love yeah. getting tuna avocado. Yeah. Love, I'm a good uh, I'm a green, green dragon roll. I like gonna, specialty rolls, too, yeah. but like like those rolls. And honestly, like just um, just the, the plain salmon, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's salmon nigiri? Oh, fantastic. Mm. Big on the salmon nigiri and just salmon sashimi and tuna and all that. <laughs> I'm 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 great with the basics. I love the basics. Uh, now we're all hungry for sushi. I'm gonna have to go get sushi again after work today. I promised myself I was gonna make food tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. Stan Richo, Satyar Shah, Irfan Gafar gonna join us next on Canucks Central. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canuck Central back in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You can get in with some comments for the show, 650-650, on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Everybody's coming in with their favorite sushi rolls now because that's Mm -hmm. just what tends to happen. Yeah, the spicy the tuna roll somebody texted in. I yeah. mean, it depends on on how spicy. We know me and my constitution go. can only handle so much spice. Man, I uh, I started buying chili oil, and I literally put it on everything. It's incredible. Well, you, you you would do that. Uh, uh, Corbett says, can you eat sushi without any dip or sauce? I could, yes. Absolutely. But it's better with, obviously, a, you know some soy sauce. You're probably going to a more uh, expensive place if you're doing that, though. But. Yeah, of course. I mean, the quality, <laughs> the better the quality, the easier it is to yes. do those things. Yes. Uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah, both hungry. Let's bring in our next guest. Uh, it is Irfan Gafar, Canucks Insider. What's happening, Irf? Hungry for a fantasy football end. Has, <laughs> does it ruin, has it ruined your sports, your NFL viewing pleasure as much as it has mine? So what are you own uh, three? Like what are we talking about here? No, one and two and two and one. But like T Higgins had eighteen drops. So I could have walked out of been two and one in both leagues. So I got I got a trade offer today. Uh, Debo Samuel. I'd be giving up Debo Samuel for T Higgins. You're saying I shouldn't take it? Oh, you should not take that <laughs> yeah. at all. I like T. Higgins, you're too. To, you're trying to get fleeced. Like right now, I don't know what's going on with Joe Burrow, although they did win yesterday, and he was yeah. a little bit better. But, yeah, Debo is going to eat every day. We know that. Yeah. I just, I wish I just had uh, Devon Achan on my team. A- Achan, yeah, I think it is. okay, but he's – okay, fair. They put up a 70 spot. Like, <laughs> that's not going to happen again for him. It's just not. This is the one game he ate, and everyone's gonna forget about him and drop him in two weeks. Yeah, it's like that uh, that one December Canucks game against the Chicago Blackhawks when Gagne and Vanek were together. Oh, that was and fantastic. they put up like eight points. That was that was great. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that was, I remember that from? actually. Yeah, I miss Vanek. That was that guy was great. Thomas Vanek was a good player. He was great. Uh, blue line in. Yeah. Offensive yeah. blue line. Yes. In. Yes. 
Um, so we're, we're seeing a lot of things happen around the uh, Vancouver Canucks, but uh, it was Dakota Joshua catching strays here in, in training camp. Uh, Coach Tockett wanted everybody to go out and have a big summer, and it's uh, seemingly uh, Dakota Joshua has not had the big summer, has not come in prepared to battle some of these others that are uh, fighting for a spot on this Canucks roster right now. Well, I think it's because he had the big summer. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had a big type of summer we used to have in college. Like, look, I uh, guess yeah. That's I mean, depends, 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 depends how we define big summer. Big summer, yes. And again, I'm just joking. It, it, I don't know. Look, I know, I know, I know. In, in all seriousness, I mean, there was a message from management and the coaching staff, and you know, when they met, you know, the players at the end of the season, you know, they obviously had like the conversations. You meet with your obviously, you know, the kind of strength and strength team as to what your summer workout is and what and what you should be and your health and your eating and all that and you know Canucks just right now aren't liking what they see um it's not the first time this has happened to a player in this organization or any and it won't be the last but it's just when it gets put out like that like the way it did um it's to a light a fire under that person a little bit of a spark um and b uh, to send a message to everyone else saying that, you know what, we're, we're actually pretty serious around here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're Dakota Joshua, do you really need a spark lit under you? I mean, you're battling for a fourth line spot. This is like, you're not a guy that's, you're not a guy that's going to play top, top six minutes. So you should be working your tail off every single day to try and crack this lineup. And, you know, for, for a guy like Rick Tockett, I mean, he's obviously been around a long time and, and has seen players in these situations. Um, I think it's just one of those messages to try and like to try and light a spark. Yeah, I mean, and you know, you mentioned it. It's a message about being serious and how serious the organization is trying to be, or the team is trying to be this year. Yeah, and and I still think Dakota Joshua is going to make the roster. The only question is, do you play opening yeah. night? Because for as much as you know, you want to send a message, and yes, you know, uh, I think it all makes sense. They still lack the type of player that he can be with his physicality, his size, his speed can score a little bit too. Like they need more players like him as well. Now you wish you would have the maturity and the ability to be consistent and not have any issues, but I have a hard time seeing them just cutting bait with them though. So I think it's a situation where yes, you're trying to send a message, but you also have to kind of get this guy on board. Yeah. Look, I I I don't, I don't think that they're going to cut bait with him. I don't think it's anything that yeah. wild or, or anything like that. I just think it's one of those things where mature a little bit, just be a little bit mature. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a professional, um, you know, trying to earn a roster shot to play the national hockey league. A lot of the guys would kill for that position. Um, and I think that that's kind of the message that Rick Tocker was probably trying to get at and an underlying message is, you know, take this, you know, what a little bit more seriously here. Um, we're, we're going into a season where we think we have a really good team um, and we can win some games and, and we can do good things and we want you to be a part of it. Um, I'm not saying this to, you know, throw you under the bus to, because we don't like you. We don't want what's the best from you. But, you know, we obviously see potential and you're definitely not reaching it right now. There was, um, if, we're, if we were to compare this training camp to uh, the one 12 months ago, there was uh, certainly an unseriousness about everything that was going on around the team. 12 months ago and the way that this is like this entire week since we got to Victoria last week and, and leading up to now I know they lost 10 nothing to Calgary the other night but they don't really count in the standings just yet but everything has felt different about the way that Rick Tockett has set this team up this year how do you feel about it well I just think that there was just so much uncertainty with last season about everything yeah 
you know, with, with, with the coach and then with, then with different types of things. And then obviously with everything that's happened on, on, on the roster as well, I just think that people didn't really know what was going on. And then, you know, players were kind of like, okay, well, what's going to happen? What's really this is going to be, but you know, the tail end of last season and when Rick Tockett was brought in, you know, I think from right from that point, there, there, there's been a clear message to this group of, of what they expect and, and, and what they want. And I think the message has been delivered from um, obviously, the, you know, Jim Rutherford down to Patrick Alvin and to Rick Tockett and now obviously to the players on, you know, the type of team that they want to be, the type of professionals that they need to be. And how are they going to go about winning hockey games? And obviously, you know, you guys were in Victoria. I wasn't. Um, I got the sense that, that was it was very blue collar. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it was a lot of work, uh, meetings and, and stuff that they did over there. And then, you know, they get their butts kicked against the Calgary Flames, you know, albeit, you know, you just said it, it doesn't count the standings. It still hurts, though. You know, you don't have your head coach coming out after and saying, I feel like Sean Payton for no reason. Right? I think it's, that, that's still something that hurts. And, you know, for those young guys, also all trying to crack a roster spot in, in the National Hockey League, that's one that you learn from and you have to learn from it quick. Yeah, no, absolutely, right? And the the question also comes down to buy-in. Like, how much do you buy yeah. in to everything? And it seems like at the moment that buy-in is there. But the reality is it only stays as long as you have success. And this team has not had enough success. And we spoke to Ian Cold about this, and he said that, you know, that comes with having lost a lot. And all of a sudden, after a while, you realize the things you have to do to win. And you hone in, you buy in, and then you start having success. It's just, are we at that stage where they've learned or, or can they learn, you know? And, and that's my only thing. If you want this buy-in to stay, you have to have success to start the season. Yeah. I mean, look, the Canucks know how to learn. And I think that's one of the things that it, it's not a good thing, but there's a difference of knowing how to learn and uh, knowing how to, uh, uh, learning how to lose and learning how to win. I think those are the two biggest things. And right now the Canucks are pretty good at learning how to lose. Like it's, it's just something that, that you know that's been around for the last little bit, and a lot of a lot of a lot of the guys have gotten comfortable with it over the last couple of years, and I think that that's the problem. That's what they're trying to change, um, and they do have a lot of leadership. Maybe one of, if not the best coaching staffs, you know, on paper, that that that's helping this team uh, to try and get where they want to be. And it's it's time that the, this team, you know, uh, l- learns how to win. Definitely feels like uh, having Adam Foot and Sergey Gonchar on the uh, on the staff is just like. It holds a different weight when you got guys that, you know, I mean, we all appreciated growing up. I mean, last week I was telling Sergey Gonchar how much I, I I needed him to win a bunch of fantasy hockey titles when I was younger. So, you know, that's just kind <laughs> of the way it that. is. Um, speaking of the defense, though, uh, <laughs> who's going to be Quinn Hughes's partner? Who's your who's your money on? Oh, it's tough. Like, I don't know. Are they going to go Ian Cole? I mean, that's probably the safe one, but... They seem to really like Cole and Heronic together, though. Yeah, that, I mean, that's probably your shutdown pair. Yeah. Right? So then you put Quinn with a guy that's a little bit more stay-at-home. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that... Are you going to move Quinn to the, the opposite side again? Or is that the conversation that, that we're going to start having once again? Um, I, I think that, you know, if you want to let Quinn Hughes be... Quinn Hughes, you have to put him with someone that's very good defensively. Yeah, and I and I think that that's that that's kind of the challenge that you know Sergey Gonchar and, and, and Rick Tockett are going to have is it's who do they think that's in there that you know we want Quinn to be the offensive dynamic Norris Trophy candidate that he is when he has the puck and let him you know play all 200 feet of the ice, but who's going to be the guy who's going to be their quote unquote Chris Tanev? 
for Quinn Hughes? Who's, who's this season's, you know, Chris, I know we're a couple of years removed, but who is that guy? And yeah, and and I think internally there could be a guy like that. I'm just not sure this season is going to be the year that guy emerges, especially on the no, right side. No, I don't think so either. And I, that, think it's, I think you're going to see. Yeah, I think you're going to see Quinn Hughes have a lot of different partners. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think as much as yes, the organization would love to address it long term and love would love to add a player. When it comes to righty defensemen, a lot easier said than done. Everybody's looking for righty defensemen, right? And we were talking about even yesterday saying. Ethan Bear, when he becomes healthy sometime in the new year, whether it's for Vancouver or elsewhere, he'll be in demand on a cheap contract. Maybe Vancouver would have to look at a player like that. I just I, I just get the sense just looking at this, and I just don't think McWhorton and those guys are ready yet to take that step. I, I think they're going to have to either address it or be trying to – they're going to have an issue trying to address it all season long. Yeah, and that's kind of the last thing that you want. You know, you don't – I mean, look, Quinn, Quinn Hughes is super talented. He can probably play with anyone that you put with them. But it's one of those things where you say sad, it's going to be tough to address long-term in the short term. Yeah. And that's probably something that they want to do. You know, they want to have a guy that's going to play with Quinn Hughes for the next five, like three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to have their, their top four defensemen set. Um, and right now they just don't have that. And, you know, is it something that they're going to look at here, you know, at the early stages of, of the season, if, if things start to start to go sideways a little bit as, as to something that they need to address immediately, um, or they're going to let this competition happen from within. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, I just mentioned it, it, he's going to have a lot of partners this season unless they address it, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I kind of wonder, you know, the the ongoing conversation around Vasily Podkolzin. Yeah. You know, is that a way that maybe they can acquire a young defenseman in a similar spot? Now, Podkolzin doesn't need waivers yet, so they, they technically don't have to make a decision on him just yet, but – you know, the clock is ticking on the value of a former top 10 pick and, and maybe there is uh, something that fits better for this team. Or do you still see that they, they really want to work with Pod Colson and see how it plays out? I think they do want to work with them. And, I, you know, uh, I read what JT Miller said about him a, a, a few days ago where, you know, he was obviously singing his praises. Um, it's the things that he's gone through, obviously learning, learning new language, country, this, that, getting sent down to the minors. Um, it, it's all different for him and, and the way that he's come in. And, and they, they definitely do believe in him. I mean, he can play. It's just a matter of being able to stay consistent and bring it in night in and night out. And that's what makes you stick in the NHL. It's not about, you know, being a good hockey player for five games. There's a lot of good hockey players for five games. But can you bring it 5, 10, 15, 20 in the rest of the season? And I think that that's the tough part for Paul Colson and, and for any young player is learning the consistencies of the game, um, being a professional, you know, the travel, all of that, everything that you have to deal with. So, you know, let's see if he's gotten a little bit more mature um, over the last summer. And, and you know, I, I think the on-the-ice play does the talking for itself, but it's, it's kind of everything else where he has to learn to mature. Yeah, and I think there is a level of patience that they are just going to have to have with certain amount, yeah. a number of players on this team. The thing with put Coles in is he gets down on himself so easily, apparently, and sending him down, how, what kind of message does that send to him? Can he work through all those things? And that's where it gets a little bit sensitive with, with a player like him. I think with Hoaglander, as much as he has his issues defensively, and the coach mentioned for all the good things he did against Calgary, still some mistakes, but he likes the energy that he plays with. But when you start watching the other guys, the other prospects this team has, the other options they have kind of on the wing – you kind of have to give this guy a chance this year one way or another. And I think the organization's there with him. It's just, is he going to be able to be convincing enough as the season goes on to truly earn a spot here long-term? But I think they have no well, choice but to give him a chance. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, look, I, if you're an organization you and sending him down, it's, 
in the organization's best interest. Obviously, the player's going to be a little bit upset about it, but he's getting actual meaningful minutes down in Abbotsford. Would you rather, if you're from an organization standpoint, would you rather have him sit in the press box and watch games or actually go play in Abbotsford? And if, if you're, you know, Patrick Alvin and, and Vic Tuckett, at least you want him playing. But for the player, I can see why. I mean, obviously, the AHL and NHL is very different. Um, and, there, and the American Hockey League, it, it's not an easy league there as well. You know, but he did have some success down there. Um, uh, I still think that, you know, he, he is an NHL player. And it's just a matter from him to be able to show it consistently. So uh, if you had to make a pick today, Bills or Dolphins, who are you going with next Sunday? It's in Buffalo, right? Yeah. Miami. Woo! The Bills are, Bills are weird. <laughs> like, they're just, like, okay, like they, they beat up on a team there because their defense has a million interceptions. Yeah. Like, I don't think Josh Allen's that great. No, he's good, though. I mean, I mean, he's kind of, he's pretty good. Yeah, he is, but like out of the AFC quarterbacks, like he's not. Like, so what? You're you're ready to like, say Tua is better than Josh Allen, though? From what I've seen in this season in the NFL, yes. I don't think it's unfair to say that Tua's quarterback performance has been better than Josh Allen's Allen's quarterback Tua performance. Also has yeah, probably a lot more weapons. Yeah, it comes down to the team performance that bakes into that. So I think that's fair to say three games into the season. I'd still rather have Josh Allen over Tua. Yeah. But Tua's been, I don't know, he's been dynamite in that offense. That whole offense is yeah, just he's, like. He's done so many different things. It's yeah. been ridiculous. He's been great. And watching Russell Wilson get absolutely destroyed is just, <laughs> I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people like that. You know, I heard someone mention on ESPN, um, I think it was Danilovsky or whoever it was, it was. Like, it's so crazy how Russell Wilson is the universally most disliked person in the NFL. <laughs> and the dude, the dude disliked on his own team. Like, he did it to himself. I know. Well, and the funny thing is, like, it's those things are all true. And, but it's not like that, that he's, like, this actually bad person. It's funny how no, he's I the know. guy who's so most hated. <laughs> I know. And it's like, uh, guys after him have gotten a lot more money for a lot less than what they do. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, look. And then you got the bounty hunter as the head coach. it's wild there (laughs) well they better get a win this week against chicago Uh, two of the most dysfunctional franchises in the nfl right now that's uh that would be an interesting one uh earth we appreciate the time as always thanks for this united one today that's nice too yeah (laughs) take care uh there he is irfan gafar joining us uh on canuck central didn't even ask him about the Ryder cup can we bring him back on uh don't we'll do next time next time Next time, I know Reach. We 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 spoke a little. We had a little bit of a golf chat yesterday. Yeah. That'll have to suffice for another day. <laughs> Ryder Cup in Rome. I don't even know why I'm not there this week. It's yeah. like, well, you know why you're not there? Because I'm not ready to cheer on Team Europe. Or no, I mean the Canuck season is about That's to start. True. I mean, yes. Like as good luck trying I mean, to get there's vacation no game time on right Friday. But... I know, but good luck trying to get vacation time this time. Because <laughs> you have to do your job. Job. That's I why you're not. Like... Jeez. <laughs> I gotta do my job now. Yes. Uh, can't wait for the Ryder Cup, even though all of the ga- <laughs> everything's going to have to be PVR. Everything's on in the middle of the night. It's going to be the worst, uh, but we'll make it uh, we'll make it work as best we can. Plus, we've got a lot of hockey to watch over the next couple of nights. It really is the biggest question mark right now, uh, how this team sets up their defense. And I guess, you know, that's uh, the the age old question. Can you trade a forward for a defenseman and? Maybe that eventually pops up with Pod Colson, but with the way that they work with Pod Colson, just the amount of detail, the amount of extra time 
we've seen Rick Tockett, whether it's just an on ice yeah. skates, like he's he's always seemingly, you know, trying to work with Pod Colson and 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 get him going in in a better direction. Like they just like you can tell they they feel there's a big player in there, and it's more about how do we get it out of of Vasily Pod Colson. All the players you talk to, even with the media, and you know if you if you get a chance to talk to them about Pod Colson, they all rave about this kid. Uh, how yeah. hard he works, how dedicated he is, and how much they believe in his talent and how much they believe he can be something. And nobody's saying he's going to be a superstar, but they think he can be a player who's going to make an impact and be a good player in the National Hockey League. The organization believes in him. The coaching yeah. staff loves the kid, right? They see all those things. It's just, it's just a matter of putting it together. And same thing I mentioned yesterday. I think with him, it's, it's a matter of maturity. And mm-hmm. I don't mean he's immature. I think it's a maturity of... Can you, can you get to a point where you have self-confidence and belief in yourself and you feel comfortable enough to understand who you are and what you are to some extent, you know, and not get down on yourself a yeah. little bit? And I think that's could be a hard thing for a player in, in his early 20s to grapple with. And some, some people have more confidence naturally than others. So I think that's what has to get built up. And when it comes to those types of things, it, it's not an easy thing to project. You know, it's not, it's easy to, easy to project the guy. You say, well, he needs to get a little bit quicker. needs to get a little bit heavier. You know, he's got to learn a little bit, get better with his stick handling, his defensive positioning. Those things are clear. When it comes to this, it's like, it's, it's on you. Yeah. You know, you can get support, but ultimately it comes down to how you grow and handle these things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there's gotta be something that just makes it click for Vasily Podkolzin at some point. Yeah. I do wonder if the best way to move forward with pod Colson is to have him play a fourth line role. Like, is it better for him? Because I feel like I know he, he would have success at the AHL level. And that's not necessarily the thing that he needs to get over the hump. Does he just need to be given a consistent role at the NHL level where he can start to build confidence? And then if he has success, you can maybe gradually move him into a bigger role as the season goes on. Yeah, I don't disagree with that notion, but I'm not sure if that's the issue with him. Right. In sense of he he's out there just not processing as naturally. I don't know if that matters whether he plays a top six role or or a, a fourth line role, for instance. Right. Like we saw that play he had. He was in his own zone, and on I think it was on, I don't know if it was on the PK, but um, I think it was the Huberto goal. No, the the um, I think it was a Cadre goal when he came around and scored. Right. Right. And he's just kind of standing there stationary in the slot. He's not really closing out on anybody. He's not closing in on uh, Kadri. He's just standing there watching. Yeah. I mean... You, it's frozen. Frozen, right. And he's in the right spot. You know, yeah. so, so, I mean, I give him credit for being in the right spot. But it's like we talked about last year. We said the players aren't even in the right spot. And then you get to the right spot and they're not doing the right thing. And it's like, well, that's only half the battle. You still have to actively defend from the right spot in your yes. own zone. And it's not like he can't or doesn't know. It's the paralysis by analysis. Yes. And I don't know how that's going to... You know, I'm not saying it can't and it won't. I'm just not sure the timeline on when that's going to change for him. So I don't know if it matters putting him in a fourth line role. Whereas, at least in the AHL... I don't think he's going to have that issue. You know, it's more about you going, you play. You know, I just hope that he's able to make that switch, like you said, some point before the season begins. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. Coming up, Ryan Clark of ESPN is going to join us. Uh, they did a power ranking of, I guess you would say, the three-year outlook of every NHL team. The Canucks did not rank very highly. No. They actually ranked... Near the bottom. I mean, near the bottom is 
almost overstating how far they are from the okay, bottom. Okay, they're second last. <laughs> okay. <laughs> only ahead of the Calgary Flames. We'll find out why next on Canuck Central.